Let me give you a commercial. If you haven't signed up for Voice of the Martyrs, the VOM, this magazine, it is free and it keeps you uh, informed, up to date on things that are happening around the world with people who are who know Jesus, who are being persecuted, and it is uh, a really great connection to the things that are that are happening. It is a you can check it online and find it, but it began with the persecution in in Eastern Europe. And so from Romania and the struggles that people went through there all the way to um, Bartlesville, because that's now their headquarters. Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Yeah, try to figure that one. We have uh, amazing things that are going on, that God just intervenes, he gets involved in people's lives. There are things that are difficult and have been going on uh, since since Christ came because he was, you know, they killed him. So here's this ongoing issue with anyone who wants to identify with the living God. And anyone who identifies with the living God, there are enemies of the cross, there are enemies of Christ, there are enemies of God, there are enemies of good, and they will do whatever they can to shut that down. What's happening now, this is the most recent version of Voice of the Martyrs. And this is from Nigeria and the things that are unfolding there in Africa. The uh, Islamic crisis is that the, there are Muslims who are so opposed to the Christians being in northeast Nigeria. Nigeria is mainly Christian. And then northeast part of Nigeria has been really influenced by the radicalized version of this. Uh, Fulani uh, shepherds, they, they are out in their fields, and they don't like it that Christians are productive and that their farms grow and that they worship Christ, and so they are from a different perspective. And so they, they, if they find them in the field working their fields, they will take their machetes and take them down. They'll go into towns and kill the people. They'll kill the people in the churches. Boko Haram is in that same area. They will go, as you know, into Christian schools and take the girls. They make the girls wed the Muslim soldiers, and and they kill off the rest of the families. If you're a pastor in that area, your life is not worth spit. And there is a large number of uh, and growing numbers of these Muslim groups that are coming in to attack the believers in that area. And this is the story of the believers in that area. We're talking, one of the pastors in this article came to Christ. He was Muslim. He comes to Christ uh, because of dreams, and the Lord uh, leads him to himself through that. And then he becomes a Christian, gets involved in everything he tries to do to make a living, he hits a wall. Every time he thinks he's supposed to go, and he's got a a grandfather who's a, uh, he's a witch doctor, and he's, he's supposed to, at some point, learn this trade, but when it comes time for him, he has to lift these heavy idols and move them around, 
Before he can go do that, he injures his shoulder and is now unable to lift the heavy idols. So that great honor of lifting the idols goes to his brother. And he goes another direction. And that's part of his story is the Lord just kept closing doors. And he thought, what is going on with my life? And the Lord just protected him through all of these things that you would consider horrible uh, situations and job losses or, or injuries. And then he winds up coming to Christ, becoming a pastor, getting trained, and then going into these areas where he says, no pastor, nobody wants to go. Because you, if you go there, you're, you, you, your family has to pay double for, if they go out just in the market because you're Christian. You pay double for whatever vegetables and fruits or whatever you need to eat. They're going to charge you more. You can't get an education for your children because they won't let you into any of the public schools because you're a Christian. And then they're likely to come burn your place down or kill you. So it's not you know one of those places people are jumping to go to. And through all of that, and there's just one story after another of these of these people who are just courageous, and it's family members because they'll lose family members. They'll lose their, one lady lost her husband and just takes her family and they just keep living for Jesus. Or the son goes back after his father's killed, and he says, "I'm still going to sing in the choir. I know that they could kill me, but God is with me, and I'm I'm going to sing His praises no matter what." Continuing, continuing to be faithful to the Lord. And trust him even if. But if you're a Christian here and somebody at Walmart looks askant at you, oh my gosh, the world has just collapsed. My heart hurts from the pain. And you go, you know, around the world, Myanmar, through Indonesia, across Africa, China, the believers are suffering. And they're going through intense pain, making it difficult for them to find jobs, find a house, worship. And if they do anything out loud or gather together openly, like, like we're doing, then their lives are threatened. And it's, it's, it kind of you know, raises the question of, so we need, some, we need some action here. Well, that's a feeling that the psalmist had. Because Israel was being attacked continuously from the neighbors, similarly today, and they, feeling the pressure, were trying to walk with God, with Yahweh. And yet, in the midst of that, these other nations, these other people keep coming after us. And there are also other people within the nation, just people who just don't walk with God, who are also causing problems and making it difficult difficult to get along. And we come to this psalm, and this is a heartfelt psalm, Psalm 94, as God is remembered in the midst of that kind of suffering. Because if you've been, uh, all you have to be is cut off as you're driving down 69 highway. And all of a sudden you want vengeance. So you have things to say, you have an attitude, you have gestures, you shouldn't. And all of those things come come about. Why? Because vengeance is so built into us that we want to lash out at anybody anytime it doesn't go our way. 
Well, this is a cry for vengeance, a cry for justice, and we find that here in Psalm 94. We, be, we begin with verse 1, Lord, and that Lord, again, capital L-O-R-D, all the caps, means Yahweh. This is the replacement word in honor of Yahweh, the personal covenant God of Israel. So Yahweh, the God of vengeance. O God of vengeance, let your glorious justice shine forth. That's the appeal of the heart. Looking for the real justice, not, not the kind that, that we think we can get in, in general terms. But God, don't you see what's going on here? There's something that's so imbalanced, so wrong. We need you to step forth. And we know that you're the one who holds all of that in your hand. You, you know what that's about because you are the great judge. You are the one of truth. <sighs> and we tend to get off on this. So... Because, well, let me read this from Romans 12, because this is really horrible. This is staying in your lane. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. What? What do you mean he will, you know, I can fix this in about 30 minutes. I can straighten them out, I can... I can scald them with my words. I can hit them with my fist. I can show them how this ought to be because I know what needs to happen here. And dang it, Scripture says don't do that. What is up with this thing? The psalmist, Yahweh, God of vengeance. Does that come to mind for you often? The, the You know, you... you you see Jesus holding that little lamb. He's sitting with the children gathered around those paintings and pictures in your Bible when you flip through. You think, oh, God of vengeance. No. We think he's pretty wimpy. He's cute. Pats us on the head. He takes care of little lambs. He's not a warrior. We'll get over it. Because he is. He is the ultimate warrior and he is the god of vengeance he will take care of those things he knows what justice is he is the judge jury and executioner he will make it happen he is the god of judge a judgment of vengeance and where we have to step back is recognizing that is him not us that that's his role for a reason because we tend to get a little sideways on these things. Recognizing the true judge, verse 2, Arise, O judge of the earth. Give the proud what they deserve. And this is just calling down out of heaven God's actual justice, his judgment. But it's judge of the earth. He's not judge of the county. He is, but it's because he's the judge of the earth. But he's not judge just of the county. He is going to take care of things. And this psalm is crying that cry, saying, I need, I need to see something here. I want to bring this to your attention. And it's a fair, fair prayer of crying out and recognizing who he is. It's actually, uh, there's praise in this 
because of the recognition of his position as the God of vengeance. That he's the one who's just, that he's the one who is judge, that he takes care of those things and puts it all together in the way it should be aligned rightly. So recognizing the true judge. And we run into this because we're wondering where God is when it goes sideways and it doesn't work out for us. We wonder why bad things happen to good people. Now, we're not as concerned, unless we're reading something like Voice of the Martyrs with all of the different countries and stories of individuals. For the most part, it's just, why do bad things happen to me? That's what I mean by the whole giant philosophical statement of why do bad things happen to good people? Just why, why is it happening to me or somebody I know? or Because I feel closely to that. I don't feel so close to Nigerians because I don't know Nigerians. I don't feel their pain. I, don't, I hate that that's happening, but, you know, that's there. It's worse for me because, you know, my air conditioner's out. <laughs> and that's, that's the worst. So just coming, you know, where's God? And this is some of, uh, of that from uh, verses 3 to 7. How long, O Lord? So you've, you've, you've prayed this, or at least you've thought this. Like, where in the world are you? How long will the wicked be allowed to gloat? How long will they speak with arrogance? How long will these evil people boast? They crush your people, Lord. They crush your people, hurting those you claim as your own. They kill widows and foreigners and murder orphans. The Lord isn't looking, they say. And besides, the God of Israel doesn't care. That God, the God of Israel, now the story I was telling you about Nigerians and the Christians, that the Christian God doesn't care. Allah cares. Christian God doesn't care. He's not looking. He, he's probably out there, but he's not involved. We're going to do what we, we want to because we have the machetes or we have more manpower or we have AK-47s. It's whatever we have. How long will the wicked be allowed to gloat? Well, some of those wicked are the ones who are in in charge of the universities, Cambridge and Oxford and Harvard and Yale, and they get to gloat because Christians are stupid. They hung their brains at the door, and they no longer think right, so they need to be shut down. They need to be shut down in the public square where they don't speak. We don't want to hear their opinions. We don't want them to vote. We want them to be quiet. And go along with wisdom that we provide. And we're going to tell you that God can't do these things. God isn't involved anymore. If he is, he doesn't care. And we're here to live in such a way that proves that God is real. These Nigerians are living in such a way, courageously, that they prove that God is still here, that he is involved, and he is making a difference in this world. But how long... We've all, all been there. We want something stopped. We want to see some things change. We want to see people's hearts open to the Lord. We want to see goodness come. We're tired of the other horrible situations that just, just keep unfolding. And when we think we've reached the end, there's more. There's just more evil, more darkness, some other twist that will come out of it. And this psalm is feeling it. They crush your people, Lord hurting those you claim as your own. Then this, 
Get ready for this. Psalm 94, 8 through 9. Think again, you fools. When will you finally catch on? Is he deaf, the one who made your ears? Is he blind, the one who formed your eyes? Mm. Think again. He is not done. He's the God of vengeance. He knows all things. He is the judge of all the earth. He is not far away. God is on his way. Verses 10 and 11. He punishes the nations. Won't he also punish you? He knows everything. Doesn't he also know what you're doing? So not just the nations out there, but the individuals who are gloating, who are proud, who think they have this all wired. The Lord knows people's thoughts. He knows they are worthless. Those thoughts, those inventions, those ways, the cruelty that they bring or the, the in intelligence they think they have, whatever all of those things are, he knows and he knows what's really happening in that person's life and in their brain. He wants to bring them around. Does he have a plan? Yeah, he would really like to see these people come to recognize him, come to know him, come to follow him. Does he want to just pat them on the head and say, aren't they sweet, and just let them do what? No. Vengeance is his. He will bring vengeance. He will bring situations to stop people. He will catch them in the act. Does he do it on our timetable? No, that's why we have, how long, O oh Lord? When is this going to happen? When are you going to bring all of these things to be? And he's working, and he's allowing people to do evil things and people will do those things because they think they can get away with it. And as the psalmist is reminding us, he sees it. He knows what's in the brain. He'll deal with the nations, and he will deal with the individuals. God is on his way. I have a feeling Psalm 94 is not probably going up on your refrigerator soon. just doesn't fit <laughs> with most of those things that we deal with joyful trainees lord yahweh those you teach with your instructions joyful are those you discipline now see some of this is the wicked who are gloating and the evil people who are boasting and some of them are slaughtering and so there are nations who are involved in this thing like uh, the Fulani but now we're talking about there could be uh, an aspect in which God is trying to get the attention of his people so he's trying to help us his people then and us now to recognize who he is to recognize that he is the God of vengeance of justice that he does good that he has a better plan and that he is listening and he knows our hearts. He knows what our thoughts are. And he's going to give us what we need to move forward. What is some of that instruction? It helps to have instruction to learn from him, to discover what we need to know about the world, about people, about how things are working, about the spiritual realm, the invisible realm, the gods that are out there opposed, the enemy, the dark, dark ones, and then God's plan for us, the angelic forces that are on our side, that he is going to bring vengeance. All of that is at play. Joyful are those you discipline. He wants to get involved in our lives in such a way that we learn. What if we don't learn to really 
pay attention to his word? Well, we don't even know his word. We haven't gotten into the scriptures enough to know what it is that he would have us do. So if we don't know that, that's instruction that we need. Uh, What kind of things might he bring our way? Consequences? Things that will slap us upside the head? How many times will that come until we learn it? Over and over and over. So from Hebrews chapter 12, this is the outcome of all of that. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So he wants to bring discipline, a discipline that helps us learn to follow him, to practice what he's taught us, not even out of like this obligation. Well, here's the list, and I'm keeping that, and I'm straining to keep it. No, the discipline builds into us such a habit. That's where we're headed with this. It creates such a habit that it becomes part of us. Now it's character, and it becomes part of us to do the right thing because it's the right thing. We love because we have been disciplined to love God's way, not, not oh, I need to love. It's, I should say something kind here. I don't even have to think about saying something kind because kindness is all that's going to come out because I have been disciplined by the Lord. All of that other that goes through my mind that flares up and I can feel it in my gut. It goes through my throat and it tightens and I can, my eyes get red. I can feel it. It's gone. Because we're disciplined in him, by him, to do that which is righteous and good. Those who listen to discipline get it. What if we don't get it? Do you know what discipline is? Because I don't know. If you guys have been out behind the woodshed and you have to pick your own switch off the tree... Some of you haven't, and it shows. Some people have experienced that. And you better pick a good one. Don't pick too small. Be wise not to pick too big. Just pick one that'll work. And then get ready, because it's coming. Not that I know about it. I've just heard. And you will be disciplined. And it's for your good. And it will keep you from doing stupid or something harmful or being evil or coming to a place where you respect and you honor people properly. All of those things that need to happen. There's obedience when God is is working in us to change our hearts so that we agree with him instead of fighting with him. Oh, Lord, why would you have me do that? Oh, I'm supposed to, and we have to run through the list of stuff that we have to do. If you're disciplined and the character is developed, you don't have to run through it anymore because it's there. It's built in. It's part of who you are. You have the mind of Christ. That's the whole, that's the direction he's trying to take us. So the psalmist is reminding us that Yahweh 3,000 years ago was doing that and he's trying to get people, come on, let's get this together. I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to stop you here. I'm going to open a door over here. If you don't get it, eh, we'll just we'll go back through, and we'll do it again. And I'm going to give you another opportunity. And if you're praying for people, like we need to have patience, right? 
Because if we have anger, we open the door for the devil to come in. So obviously, you know, we're going to pray for patience. And if you're praying for someone to have patience, God's going to provide them opportunity to hit walls, to be frustrated, to be angry at every turn so that they can practice patience. Does he automatically give them the ability to be patient? No, because he's told them, practice patience. It's a gift of the Spirit. If you're walking with the Spirit, it comes with that. What's he say about angry? Don't be angry. Oh, pray that I don't get angry. That prayer will not be answered the way you think. He's going to give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, probably 37 of them today if somebody prayed that for you, so that you can be angry, so that you learn to be disciplined and do what is right and to develop a character of righteousness. That's where he's trying to make us different than the rest of the world. So that's part of what's going to happen. So discipline, here we go. Character, it's going to work in us to develop character. He's going to discipline us in relationships. Now we think we are masters of relationships because we have instructions for everyone around us on how they can do this. How they can do relationships so much. If they would just do this, say this, not do this, everything would be great. Not you guys, but there are probably people like that. Attitudes, attitudes that blow up, attitudes that are negative, attitudes that are pessimistic and ripping and tearing into others, doubting God, going there, just all kinds of attitudes, which impact our behaviors. So these disciplines have to do with all of those things. So our behaviors begin to change, and the behaviors are going to become more and more like Christ as we are disciplined by him. Our priorities change. When we have priorities that are based on us and we're undisciplined, and we've heard things like in the church, but you should have a quiet time. You should have time where you get into the scriptures, you spend time with God, you should pray, and you feel this this guilt if you don't, and, and great pride if you do, and how much better life is, and you go, I've got this. And... The, the, the balance here is the, the, with priorities. If that's really my priority and I'm seeking first his kingdom and God and his righteousness and his kingdom, I'm seeking to follow him, to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, that just happens. I'm just going to spend time with him because I love to spend time with him. I don't have to be told. I don't have to feel guilt. I just love to spend time with him. It just changes if i'm disciplined not because i have a list and i force myself and my watch goes off and tells me or my phone tells me and it's scheduled to spend time with the lord they go really how many people feel loved if the schedule dings and they go oh now i have to say something kind to you in your house and they come over and speak to you nicely now because and sit there for 30 minutes and as you get deep with one another and your lives are transformed that sucks it's not it this is priorities this is so changed from the inside out that those aren't my priorities anymore when you're disciplined it's it's amazing what can happen i had a picture up earlier of, of some some military guys 
making their way, <laughs> way along. One of the things that happens, and, and just through discipline, there's so many things, but if you have to disassemble an M16, M4 now, I'm an old guy, you have to learn how to do that. Well, if you mess up, you have somebody with a smoky bear hat tell you how wrong you are several times, loudly. And you may have to do some push-ups because that's always helpful in remembering how to put a weapon together. I don't really know why, but it works. And after a while of being disciplined, you actually learn how to do that. You can do it in the dark. You can do it under two minutes. You can take it apart. You can put all the pieces where they need to be. And from that point on, if you wind up in a difficult, screaming, bullets flying by your head situation, guess what you can do quickly? In less than two minutes now, because now you're trained, you're disciplined, and adrenaline's running. So you got, you got it. What's changing? The discipline is affecting priorities, attitudes, behaviors. Things are changing from the inside out. Discipline's making a difference in us. Communication changes. That's another. That's going to happen. How we communicate to each other, how, what we say, the way we say it, the tone that we use, all changes as God is disciplining us. And if we haven't learned that, then our relationships will suffer. And we either, and for some of us, we overtalk, some, uh, some of us undertalk, some of us do it angrily, some of us are, are reluctant because we're angry and we're just withholding and we think that's really cool. And God is disciplining, he'll bring stuff and say, you know, you realize these relationships around you are hurting, they're bruised, they're beat up. It's not everyone else. It's that you haven't listened when I've disciplined you. So we're going to go through this again. And again until you get it. So that you can discipline your communication, salt your words with grace. So that you are building people up, not tearing them down. And you're moving people forward, not holding them up. Okay. Knowledge. We gain knowledge through this. We gain the right kind of knowledge, not just information or stuff from the Internet that we think is so interesting. And we make that the, the crowning level of all that we can possibly ever know. God takes us into the depths of knowledge, of knowing him, of knowing what's happening in, in the world in a greater way. And then how we can fit into that and connect with other people, what's happening in the nations, uh, with the church worldwide, locally, knowledge that just, it's just supreme, but it happens through discipline. Spirituality, there's all of these things affect how we connect with God, how the Spirit works in and through us. And if we decide, I don't want to be disciplined, He's going to discipline us anyway. And it's going to hurt because those branches get bigger. And he says, let's just go back. Let's go out there behind the woodshed and do this again and again until we finally go, oh, you are God and I need to listen to you. And spirituality begins to take off at that point. And we begin to understand more and more about what he is trying to accomplish. And we can understand truth, which is another one of these that discipline brings about. 
and we can identify evil. Because evil for us is on a sliding scale. The closer it is to me and it hurts me or those around me, me and, me and mine, well, that's evil. If it happens way over there, not so evil. It's a concern. But it doesn't hurt. And we begin to understand, oh, these little slights. Do you know what wicked is? So if we do wicked, it's, you know, we just read that in the song. So what is wicked? What, what's, the, what, what's this evil thing? Let's start with the number one thing Jesus said. This is, this is the main thing from the, take the whole of the Hebrew scriptures. You boil it down and you come to love the Lord your God. Number one on the Ten Commandments, have no other God before me. So when we come up with wicked and evil, even when I say those words and was said them earlier, there would be some image in your mind, some definition of those things, and they would not include people who don't have God as number one and love him above all else. What came to mind was how people treat others, what I don't like about the way they treat others, about horrible situations, school shootings, some kind of thing. That doesn't even register. Do you know where that is on the list? Down the, way down the list. On the, why? Because if we don't have God as number one, if we don't love him, our character, our attitudes, our behavior, our knowledge, our understanding of what is good is screwed up. It's bent. It's twisted. So our idea of evil becomes whatever it is I feel. And that's the sliding scale. And God, the God of justice, the God of vengeance, says there is an absolute that is unbendable, that is good for everyone, and he's trying to move everyone in that direction to understand and to know that. So evil, to understand evil, requires discipline. Discipline from the Lord to straighten out our thinking. So it's not all me. It's not all based about my sliding scale. It's not my definition. It's his. And if I get it, these other things begin to fall into place in a way that makes life so much easier to understand. And I don't have to run around going, why, Lord, why? Because now I know. I understand evil. And I understand good. And I understand truth. And I have character because he's disciplined me joyful are those you discipline, Lord, those you teach with your instructions. Verses 13 to 15, oversight. You give them relief from troubled times until a pit is dug to capture the wicked. The Lord will not reject his people. He will not abandon his special possession. Judgment will again be founded on justice. And those with virtuous hearts will Pursue it. Going to look for it. Why would they do that? Because they've been disciplined. They know there's joy in doing these things that God has called them to. And now they're going to join in. They're excited about what God is bringing. Why did that horrible thing happen to that person? Well, God may be at work. Maybe you've been praying for them. And this horrible thing happened to them. Because it's exactly what he needed in order to accomplish. Yeah, but now they're uncomfortable. 
where is comfort on this level? And we're looking at the range of things that God says this is going to be the number one priority. Remember, we covered that. God's got to be number one. No other God's before me. Comfort before him. Uh, situations that just, you know, hurt me, hurt my reputation, make me feel bad. So rank that. No other God before me. Who says that? God says that. God, the one who created everything, the one we're supposed to bow before, says that to love him above all else. So what if somebody has both legs removed? They're hurting, but they have not learned to bend those knees before the Almighty. But by God, now they will. So what's good? Tell me what is good. Because the evil is the fact that they stood on those rebellious legs, spurning the living God. And now they recognize him, which is good, not only for this life, but for the one to come. Is that better? Oh, no, that's, hor- that's horrible. I can't even believe you say things like that. So when God disciplines you and you understand evil, you will begin to understand good, and you will understand righteousness, and you'll begin to gain knowledge, and you can be disciplined to develop character. And God will give them relief from troubled times. And a pit will be dug for those who are wicked. 16 to 19. Who will protect me from the wicked? Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I am slipping. But your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your Comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. He comes alongside, he helps, he picks people up, he moves them into a whole new way of thinking and living and understanding that you know things are gonna things are gonna get turned around here. False claims. This is in verse twenty. Can unjust leaders claim that God is on their side? Leaders whose decrees permit injustice. Hmm. Well, the Nigerian government is fine with allowing these people to attack and destroy the Christians, which is really unfortunate. That happens in Nigeria. We just talked about some of those things. But back in the day, there were kings everywhere until, you know, this whole United States thing stirred that up and the concept going into that was the divine right of kings. Kings had God on their side. God appointed them and all their children forever and ever, even if they're goofy. And they get to be king because God has chosen them. So this concept of divine right of kings provided kings all across the Middle East and Europe, and, and it just went on for centuries. Were those people looking for justice? Were, were those the kings? Yeah, there's, there's some. But the idea is, here, here's someone who is an unjust leader. They claim God is on their side because most of these leaders, since Charlemagne in Europe, considered themselves Christians. So these Christian leaders were unjust to their people. They didn't look out for the, you know, let them 
let them eat cake. I mean, you got all these things that are going on, and you go, wow, the divine right of kings. They were unjust. They think God is on their side, leaders who de- whose decrees permit uh, injustice. The Taliban are doing the same thing. God is on our side. We need to come in here and make sure that these girls don't have education past the age of eight. We need to make sure that everything else is shut down. We are in control because God is on our side, and there's injustice. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is backed by the Russian Orthodox Church, and the leaders of Russia are going, see, God is on our side. And I think you would agree with me that that ain't so. But they believe that. Leaders whose decrees permit injustice. Twisted ways. Verse 21, they gang up against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. They gang up against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. Leaders, nations, individuals, happens all the time. So here's some twisted ways. Calling good evil and evil good. They feel threatened by righteous people. Somebody is walking with with God or or voicing an opinion that would represent God's way of looking at things. People feel threatened and they get angry. And after a while, they want to take them out. Killing the innocent is acceptable. That's obviously happening across Nigeria. Twisted ways. They gang up against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. Uh, Verse 22, safe and secure. The Lord is my fortress. My God is the mighty rock where I hide. My fortress protected. He provides the protection I need. What if I choose not to listen to him or to do it his way? What if I just want to venture outside? I like being edgy, you know, so that 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 takes care of it. If I'm if I'm really connected with the culture, is he still my fortress? No. He's my mighty rock where I hide. I have to go in. I have to be close. I have to rely on him to pro- provide what I need in this world. And he's the one who is able to make a difference. Injustice and, and this practice of justice or the execution of justice may not all happen within the time that we're breathing, but it will happen, and he will bring these things about. Justice is certain. Verse 23, God will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them for their sins. The Lord our God will destroy them. Those are consequences. People make bad decisions. They turn away from God. They spit in his face. They, they pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger, tug Superman's cape. It's just they do all of those things, and it goes badly. So we got God will destroy them. The consequences will come. It will, it will fall back on them, on evil people. It will fall back on them to discipline them. God's plan, again, is to bring people to himself. If they don't listen, then it just takes them on out. His hope is that people will respond. And, and the wicked or those who are sinful get it. And, and we've all been there at some point. So we come to a place of recognizing that God is God and we're not. 
and that we need to listen to him and go his direction. And when that happens, things begin to change. But until then, there's consequences. And, and uh, if we look back over our lives and go, yeah, you know, I made that choice and the consequence, and I didn't like that, and change our ways. Hopefully that happens for others. That's kind of the idea. But for those who will not, he will destroy them for their sins. God oversees. God oversees. Justice may seem unreal, but God will accomplish it. Justice may seem unreal, may seem beyond us at times. And when we look you know, around our world, it, we just don't know, but God will accomplish it. Evildoers may appear to escape, but God knows where to find them. They will not. The success of the evil ones may lead to despair, but God will lift his people from the pit. He will not leave his people there. He will lift them from the pit. God's training brings joy to his people, and he is with them and provides that fortress, that place of safety in him, the closer we get to him, and the better we understand what he's doing and, and accomplishing. God's training brings joy to his people, and he is with them. God oversees. Wow. Yeah, still may not be one you want to put up on the refrigerator, but it's good to remember that God is overseeing that he is working out. He is the God of vengeance, which is a good thing. It's good for us. It's good for the world. It's good for everyone, ultimately, to bring people to a knowledge of the one true God and to fall in line. And if they don't, that's a decision they've made, not one that he's crushing them with, a decision they have decided on their own. We have a great God. We have people who are hurting. We need justice. And the God of vengeance is available. So feel free to pray that God would bring his justice to around us in our communities, our country, and around the world. He is faithful. And he is overseeing the nations and the individuals. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being our God, our fortress, our rock. Thank you for loving us and for drawing us near to yourself, for revealing yourself to us so that we know that you are there. Thank you for these courageous ones, faithful to you around the world, who have stood up to opposition and persecution and huge loss and proclaim your name in the midst of it. Thank you for their, their faithfulness. Thank you for being faithful to them. Thank you for being the one to whom we can all turn. And know that in you, we will get what is right and true and good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.